In the New York City public service system, the government is run by two unique but equally vital groups, the elected and appointed officials who design initiatives and the employees tasked with implementing them. These are their stories. Dong dong. Hey everyone, it's Liz and welcome back to Civil Conversations. For those of you that are Netflix or other streaming fans, I'm sure you probably want a skip intro button to get past our intro music. But if you're not sick of it, definitely let me know. But yeah, I thought about that as I was listening to the playback of this. But nevertheless, here we are recording another episode and I'm so happy that you're back joining me. I'm going to be doing a brief sort of preview of a theme that's going to be coming up in conversations that I have with guests in upcoming episodes. Um, And that's to talk about the impact that mayoral transitions have on New York City and the impact they have for the people who do work in support of New York City. And this has sort of come up after having recently experienced what it's like to transition between administrations. Um, It's brought a new awareness for me, not only as a former employee, if you've caught past episodes Um, You know that I worked for the city for over a decade, having served under Mayor Bloomberg, Mayor de Blasio, and for a brief time under Eric Adams. Um, And that's an experience that all I can say is, um, I guess in some phases, was not as abrupt or as... uh, negative, I'd say, in moving from the Bloomberg to the de Blasio administration, but definitely I think was a little bit more harsh in transitioning from de Blasio to Adams. Um, And that's something that's not only something that I see come up in my work experience and in my work life, but also as a city resident, right? Like having worked for the city for so many years and having an appreciation for things that happen behind the scenes definitely makes you more mindful, even though I'm no longer working for the city, on things that are happening, right? As a New York City resident, and as a voter. Um, And ultimately, it made me think um, and realize that there's challenges and there's side effects and there's unintended consequences based on how things are designed today to change hands on initiatives and priorities um, every eight years. Um, So, you know, just to sort of share a visual, and I was really thinking about this, if you were to have um, a board game or you're thinking of a fairy tale and there's this path that some character is going through. And there's, you know, a point in the story that someone reaches a fork in the road and to the left, it's like rainbows and glitter. And to the right, it's a deep, dark forest. I sort of think of this like zoomed out map when it comes to being engaged in city politics, right? There's lots of things that we as a city, as stakeholders, as residents, as voters, as employees, might be really passionate about. It could be having excellent schools and ensuring excellent education for every child in the city. It could be better policing and ensuring that we're maintaining law and order while, you know, maintaining integrity and how we police. It could be, um, you know, good infrastructure. It could be focusing on parks and creating green spaces, right? There's so many ideals that people might have. And there's lots of goals and things we might aspire for or aspire to, excuse me, as a city. But I say when you zoom out, you sort of have these paths that become complicated. And where you might start at space one or at the start line, little by little, these little sort of like side paths are created 
And rather than sort of be striving straight toward good education, striving straight toward better policing, or striving straight toward greener cities, healthier cities, more vibrant cities, clean cities, we're going off on all these different tangents. And that a lot is created by having new administrations. So, you know, you're sort of, I'll say it's like a path to progress is messy, right? So we're doing things indirectly. Along the way, things get complicated. We're doing things that are not strategic, in my experience, because we're sometimes um, doing things for the wrong reasons, which I'll go into in a second. But also in the transition, you may at some point may intentionally move backwards, right? These new administrations may say, hey, we're going to reassess or we're going to undo things. So if you're using the ideology or the analogy rather of a board game, you're going to take so many steps backwards before you're going to move forwards. And what happens? You're one, again, redefining priorities, taking us down a different path, but you're also wasting time, you're wasting money, you're wasting efforts. And you're, again, creating new paths to something that kind of was already going in one direction, but because you're new administration, you're deciding to take it in another. And I really want you to think about this, and we're going to talk about this a lot in upcoming episodes, but you really have turnover in leadership every eight years. You have new vision, you have new goals, and in that you might have ideological differences. Is someone more... Uh, liberal, is someone more conservative? Does someone focus more on financial decisions? Does someone focus more on social issues, right? You have all these things that come up over the years. People have different value systems. Someone might hold more um, value on something like education. Someone might hold more value on something like policing and law and order. You also have different beliefs on priorities. Someone might think education is more important than policing. Some people might think policing comes before investing in education. And we do these things um, in different ways as well, right? A new administration comes in, not only are they trying to create and chart a new path forward, but they're also possibly deciding that they want to do things differently, right? And even within different administrations, if we're looking at the agency level, you may even have agency leadership changes, sometimes multiple times, and I use education as an example. Under Mayor de Blasio, you had a few school chancellors. You had Carmen Farina, you had Richard Carranza, you had Misha Porter. So three chancellors within, right, like one mayoral um stint. And ultimately, right, each of those people are coming in. So underneath de Blasio's, you know, vision and his redirection, you may have new chances coming in who also want to leave their mark on things, right? So that also creates even smaller little footpaths beyond the ones that were already created. And this matters, right? So, and I'm trying to make the case for this to matter. And we're going to talk about this a lot and how this shows up in people's day-to-day work and how it affects New York City services. But these changes and these, um, I'll call them sort of like redirections, affect the whole city, right? It affects the direction that we take. It affects what's focused on. Um, it affects what gets uh, more resources. What affects it affects who gets more manpower. It affects what gets more money. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, we find that decisions are driven a lot of times 
by a sense of urgency to show that the administration is going somewhere for voters, doing things for voters. But the reality is that real change takes time. And that's something that's not always very transparent and not something that is really valued, I'd say. A lot of times it's go, 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 things are rushed. And the change that comes is really superficial because we're not doing things properly. We're doing it with minimal communication, with minimal community feedback or customization, right? Because every community is different. So we don't get to stop and say, okay, how is this policy gonna affect a neighborhood on the Northern shore of Staten Island? And how is this policy gonna affect a community in the South Bronx? And within right several blocks, something can be different. We don't stop to assess, right, the consequences of something that we're doing because it's like we need to get this done. We need to get it done yesterday. We're always adding things into the mix and not assessing what we can take away. And a lot of that is driven, right, by the limitation of having eight years to get something done as opposed to doing something right, doing something strategic and something that is in the end going to be serving the big picture as opposed to a shorter term strategy attached to an administration. Last thing I'll say about that too, is that largely agency leadership. So if you're thinking you have a mayor and then you have these agency heads, commissioners, chairs, what have you, they're largely driven by loyalty to the mayor, right? Their appointments are done based on relationships that they have with mayors, referrals perhaps that were made to put them in certain positions. So a lot of what they do is also driven by Again, mayoral mandates, things that the mayor wants them to focus on, things that the mayor wants them to prioritize, but not necessarily driven by the needs and the mandates of the people, right? So if a community says, hey, we really need this, perhaps a community may be successful, but if there's like a city-driven policy or a city-driven initiative or a mayoral-driven initiative, a lot of that gets lost in translation because again, the loyalty is to the administration, the results that they're striving for, their priorities, and in some ways, right, a loyalty to the person who's currently serving in that role. Okay, so all that to say, I think based on all of what I just shared that there really is a need for us to assess why it is that we allow mayoral transitions and a change in executive leadership in the city to have such an impact. In my mind, and having to experience this shift recently, again, not only as someone who worked in an agency where we really abruptly like stopped something that the prior, excuse me, the prior administration did to pivot to accommodate for the needs and the interests and the priorities of the new administration was sort of like, wait a minute, we thought we were doing something really big here. There was a huge investment. Why are we just stopping? Why are we pivoting so abruptly? It really just makes you wonder how much more of this is happening at other agencies and how much more is this sort of like redirection? What are the consequences? What is the impact of this longer term? And so it made me really stop to think and really reflect and want to share this with our community here. And I hope you share this with others. I'm like really trying to advocate for us to detach a lot of our city's future to an individual. Yes, the mayors over the past few terms have served eight-year terms, 12-year terms, but 
you know, ultimately, let's say someone gets caught in some conspiracy and they're only here for two years. And in those two years, they decided to undo or revamp certain things. The next person who comes in is going to be doing the next thing. And I'm just sort of thinking, why should we as a city constantly be pivoting attached to an individual? So sort of advocating to detach some of our longer strategic goals. And I actually think we need to develop some strategic goals and a way to develop that as a city. So again, we're creating some ways for communities to have a longer assessment of ways that they can build, that they can develop, that they can grow. That's customized, that's relevant to them. And also, again, not only for communities, but for certain policy areas for city government are things that we can be striving for, for longer term gains, as opposed to focusing and dedicating and, again, redesigning and rethinking things on such a consistent basis. And going back to my old point, you know, things do take time to develop. If you're talking about undoing certain trends of a borough or of a community or addressing things, you know, so diverse and so complex to try and address everything that goes into making a neighborhood or a community and a city strong. The reality is, is that takes time. It takes a lot of collaboration across agencies. It takes a lot of deep understanding of what are the needs and the challenges that you're trying to address and how to make everything work more harmoniously. You're dealing with city officials, state officials, federal officials, right? It's super, super, super complex. And so at the end of the day, real impactful change, not change to say I did this to try and prove myself or to prove my worth or my value and what you've done, but real impactful change is going to have longer term you know, benefit is something that I think we need to be refocusing on as opposed to attaching to an individual and a person, right? What our long-term city will look like, what the city will look like. And so the question becomes, what are we aiming for? And I won't pretend that I have all the answers, but, you know, I'd sort of equate it to building a better, more mindful and intentional relationship with that person, right? So right now is it structured? And I feel like a lot of that stuff just exists out of like practice and things that we've accepted that a mayor will do. Is it maybe we redefine as a city what powers they have and what the expectations are for people coming into those roles? Like, hey, you can't just say I'm the executive and I'm going to strip everything and start all over. Or, you know, and also to say that someone can come in and, you know, there's no expectation that they won't change anything. Obviously, things come up live in real time that you can't account for or things don't go well and you have to pivot. But as opposed to saying like, oh, they're going to be responsible for the whole system and changing the whole system or redefining the priorities of a whole system. Again, that might be more based on their beliefs on what are priorities and what their values are. That seems like, you know, it's probably a practice that we should be starting to shift away from. And that comes up based on some of the things you see happening in current events, like people's beliefs on religion, people's beliefs on policing, people's beliefs on education and what is more important and what takes priority, right? And the list can go on and on. And so trying to think about how we maybe set better expectations um, that serve us, right? Acknowledging that people step into these roles, but how are they being set up and being, I guess, sort of given boundaries to say, this is the type of relationship we're going to be engaging in. These, this is the scope of what you can do and shifting those norms and those expectations that we kind of have just accepted over the years of like what the roles and responsibilities are for a mayor and making things more, again, aligned to what's better for us longer term as opposed to allowing them to define and redefine so much in their tenure. Um, and, you know, I think we could also plan for better breakups, right? So if we're talking about doing or rethinking our relationship 
with this individual and what they'll do for the city, I think we can also think about maybe how do we break up on better terms? Are we in transitions being more intentional and having maybe like an oversight group that makes it clear what's transitioning, what is to continue, what stays, what goes, what needs to be revamped. It's very possible after eight years, as someone is term limited out, we say, hey, this initiative was great, but these are the challenges. But really understanding and getting feedback from the people who are doing that work every day to say, hey, we think this is what we need in order to make this run better or to make it run more efficiency, efficiently, excuse me, or you know, this isn't working, or we think that we need to invest in more of this because it's been so successful. I think really having someone or a group that can make sure that we're doing those transitions and giving more oversight to be clear about where the mayor may have latitude to make that kind of change, where they have latitude to make certain decisions, and not just have it be a, car a carte blanche that they can kind of do whatever they want based on their preferences, their passions, and their beliefs. So we'll explore this a bit. Um, and again, this is not an, an answer, but really just something that I want to start exploring as we have conversations with people on things like education, on policing, um, on a other like series of other things that are happening right now in, you know, current events and, and things happening in the city. So we're going to be having more conversations. And this, again, will be somewhat of a recurring theme on things that come up. So in conclusion, you know, again, this is a theme that I would love to hear from you. Like, what has been your experience? We'll talk about ways that this shows up in people's work. So you understand, like, this isn't something that I'm just fabricating. You'll see this intentional sort of like stop and pivot or this, you know, we're going to be doing things quickly, even though we want to slow down and we want to do it right. You have staff that are really caught in the middle of this um, and it does sort of chip away at you over time. And, you know, think about it. If I build something to then have it taken away, what does that do with people who are working in a system for years? Right. Um, and then also, too, you know, it's just there's a lot of things that people see and hear working on the ground that perhaps you might not know, or they come to pass after they've sort of, uh, people have flagged or, or known that it was sort of happening, right? So it's like little changes that build up. People who are working in agencies know that things are going to come to a head and then it takes something big or explosive for it to get attention. But, you know, we shouldn't, um, you know, we shouldn't sort of diminish that perspective and also really, um, you know, we'll just get a sense of like how that operates, how it affects people and the outcomes that we have in city agencies, right? And in the services that we're delivering by constantly doing this sort of like mayoral administrative driven type of work as opposed to doing work that we know is going to make a difference and is going to be, you know, at least sort of have like the best outcome for the folks that we're serving. Um, and after a series of chats, you know, we're going to circle back on this and really try and define what we think we can do to make things better, right? So on our website, we're going to be building out a site that, or a subsite that talks about policies that we're proposing, changes that we're proposing and trying to advocate and get that out to as many people as possible because what we're doing right now, it's working in a way, but in many ways it isn't. And I think that we have to you know, work to to advocate and to help materialize a change on how we're, you know, refocusing our efforts and our money um, for long-term gains as opposed to short-term gains. Um, so as a final reminder, you know, definitely 
reach out to me. If you haven't listened to past episodes, please do catch up on them. We had a great conversation talking about turnover in city agencies and sort of the reasons why we have a staffing crisis and things that we have to sort of do in order to improve the circumstances as they are right now. It's a long episode, I'm not going to lie, but I will tell you, don't fear the reaper, take my hand. It is a great conversation um, and one that I just couldn't break up. It was really just rich and um, one that I think is super relevant to a lot of people, whether you work in the city or not, it's important to know, right? The kind of things that are happening and, and ways that we think we can make things better. If you have transition stories, I'd love to talk to you about it. I'm trying to find ways to connect with folks, you know, understanding the implications of this and just how different agencies are operating and the different roles that people carry. So definitely trying to connect for virtual coffees and person coffees in the evenings and weekends. Um, so if you have any feedback on transition experiences that you've gone through, whether you've been in the city for four years or 20 years or 30 years, I would love to connect with you. Or if you have folks that you think would be good to connect with, please do um, send them my way. Um, if you haven't already, please do like and follow the podcast so that way you can get alerts for upcoming episodes and sharing is caring. So please do pass it along to others. As always do, if you ever have thoughts, feedbacks, or ideas, or things you may want to talk about or collaborate on in some way, please do reach out. My email is liz at civilconversationsnyc.com. You can reach out to me either via email, or you can visit our website, civilconversationsnyc.com, to submit a form, or you can find a Google form where you can submit stuff to me anonymously as well. So I appreciate you taking the time to just consider this. I would love to hear if this sort of resonates with you in any way, whether as an employee or someone who lives in the city. Um, I think it's something that people really should be paying more attention to. We have to stop doing things in a way that's just face value. And, you know, we're the greatest city in the world. And so, you know, we should be the model for everything. We have lots of resources, lots of genius. And so ultimately, you know, we got to be making sure that we're striving to have the best and smoothest running government as possible and, and attaching ourselves to innovative thinking and not just sort of keeping with things because that's the way they've always been. So let's keep this conversation going. Uh, keep an eye out for upcoming episodes and conversations. And again, if you have any ideas, feel free to reach out. Thanks.